Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We host Pantsuit Politics, a podcast with a remarkable community of listeners. Here on The Nuanced Life, we come together every week to answer your questions and commemorate your milestones in hopes of bringing a little more grace to every aspect of life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Nuanced Life. We're going to talk today about navigating changes in your faith or belief system about the world. We get so many messages from y'all that sound like I'm having a really hard time with the intersection of faith and politics in my life, particularly people from conservative faith backgrounds, where that conservative faith background has translated into a conservative political push. So we have a really special guest to help with our advice question today and to talk with us more broadly about how we think about faith and voting. So we invited Josh Dixon, who is the National Faith Engagement Director for the Biden-Harris campaign, to spend some time with us. In the course of this conversation, you are going to hear Josh answer a question from Caitlin, where she is seeking some advice. But we're going to have a pretty broad-ranging discussion here about how Josh thinks about his role, how he came into that role, and what the Biden-Harris campaign's message for voters of faith looks like. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. We are so excited to be joined today by Josh Dixon, the National Faith Engagement Director for the Biden-Harris campaign. We invited Josh here today because we know so many of you are thinking through the Issues of the election, issues of party identification through the lens of faith in a new way this year. And we wanted to invite him here to have that conversation, to think through this with all of you. And we're just so excited that he's joined us today. Thanks for coming, Josh. Thanks for having me, y'all. Really, really excited for this conversation. Oh, I like the y'all. Where are you from, Josh? I am originally from upstate New York. My wife is from Houston, Texas, and Uh we moved there for a year and just picked it up. So it's, it's, it's a part of And you of found that y'all is the most inclusive word ever. So how exactly. did you become the National Faith Engagement Director? Yeah, I come from a family of Moody Bible Institute graduates. My, <laughs> my uh, great-grandparents, my grandparents, my dad and his three siblings all went to Moody. So I come from a, a family that you know has a long line of ministers and you know folks who've been very involved uh, in in their own Christian faith. Uh, I grew up going to church twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. My faith always been a big part of my own journey. Uh, when I was in college, I was really involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, and I was also raised in an environment that was pretty conservative and. When I was in my first job after college, which was as a kindergarten teacher on the south side of Chicago in a low-income school, I just, you know, really kind of went through this own personal time of of questioning um, and of uh, just real like interrogation of my own politics and looking at the ways in which um, I felt like my conservative background uh, and the politics I aligned with actually matched up 
with the faith that was the most important part of my life and still is today. And, you know, seeing all the different things that all the challenges that my students face just because of where they were born, their skin color, uh, and the income status of their parents, uh, I think was something that was really eye-opening for me. And it was an experience that, you know, really made me think a lot more about the impact of elections, of the impact of policies and the ways in which our systems are set up so unfairly for people uh, from disadvantaged backgrounds. And, you know, as I went through that process, um, I, I just really started to, again, re-examine my own politics. And right around that time, I also read The Audacity of Hope by Barack Obama. Mm. And he had a, a chapter in there on faith and politics. And it just spoke to me, I think, in a way that um, uh, nothing I'd, I'd read before had when it came to the intersection uh, of those two things. And that really uh, kind of led me on a journey uh, that led me to switching my political affiliation because I felt like the Democratic Party really prioritized um, the values that were important to me, like loving my neighbor as myself, being my brother's and sister's keeper, um, repairing the world around me, uh, working to sweep down walls of injustice and oppression and uh, working to ensure that everyone has the chance to reach their God-given potential. You know, And I think for me, faith has always been um, something that called, calls us to, to serve and not to be served. You know, Jesus talks about that. Um, I actually had that scripture painted on my wall when I was in college. Um, and as I kind of went through and, and thought about my own politics and my own journey and, and what, uh, what my own calling was, um, you know, service was at the forefront. And I really saw the Democratic Party focusing on an agenda that, um, that I felt like prioritized that and that I felt like really um, leaned into creating more opportunity uh, for folks from marginalized and disadvantaged backgrounds, um, uh, working uh, to ensure that the inherent human dignity of everyone was recognized and upheld, um, and working to make sure, again, that everyone had the chance uh, to reach their full potential. And so that kind of um, going through that whole process, I think, uh, was really in instrumental in my own involvement in politics, because I kind of asked this question of, you know, if I'm going through this process and I'm, you know, having this wake up call around now, you know, there have to be a lot of other people like me out there too. And so, uh, you know, I started talking a little bit with the Young Democrats of America. Um, I had some friends who were involved there and I was like, are y'all doing any work uh, to engage young people of faith? I think there are a lot of opportunities there. And the president of the Young Democrats of America at the time happened to be an evangelical Christian who went to Eastern University which for your listeners is an evangelical school um, in Philadelphia. And so he and I worked together and launched the Young Democrats of America's first ever faith and values program. And that was really how I got into politics was um, through this initiative that we did where, you know, we were just making this argument that we thought the values of the Democratic Party aligned a lot more with the values of young people of faith um, than what we were seeing from the Republican Party at the time. Uh, and I think that that gap has only increased since then. And I've been involved in politics in one way or another since then. Um, I, after that, I went and worked on the Obama reelection campaign, first at the DNC doing faith outreach, and then in Ohio for the last couple of months doing faith outreach, and then worked in the Obama administration uh, for a little bit at the Commerce Department um, at the Center for Faith-Based Neighborhood Partnerships there, and then, and then pivoted back to nonprofit work. You know? And so since then, I've largely been working in education and community service, 
but have stayed tied into the, the political um, arena. And here in Colorado, where I live now, helped co-found the Colorado Faithful Democrats and have just you know stayed in the loop on a lot of the things happening with um, the, in the national political scene and have been working with the Biden team for a, for a long time uh, on different issues related to faith, uh, as well as with the DNC um, on a lot of the ways that they've been engaging faith communities uh, when they would go to different cities and do debates and things like that. So, you know, stepping into this role uh, was definitely a, a, a natural fit, I think, um, given my background, but, but also given the commitment of the candidate. Um, to values that I think are important to people of faith. And I think this ticket uh, just deeply represents um, the common good values that are important to faith-motivated voters. Uh, that's one of the messages that we're really working to get out there um, is that you know, right now as a country, we are in this, uh, this really important moral moment that is gonna determine whether we bend the moral arc of the universe more towards justice or not. And we're in this critical inflection point um, where you know we have to decide who we are as a country, um, and I think that's really the choice that's before voters right now. You know, the vice president started out this campaign talking about uh, how we're in the battle for the soul of our nation. You know, we have we literally have Nazis marching in the streets right now, and it's like, what are we going to do about these things when when our democracy is challenged, uh, when our institutions are challenged? Uh, when you know we have the the mishandling of a public health crisis that leads to 190,000 plus people losing their lives and counting, you know what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to that? And you know I think um, I think again like uh, the the Biden Harris agenda just is so much more aligned with the common good values of people of faith than what we see from the current administration. Um, and so you know for me working on this uh, is just a, a natural extension of the things that I've fought for um, throughout my career. And, and I think the uh, a natural extension of the values that are just so important to me as a Christian and a person of faith and someone who believes in putting those values into action. I want to ask you about governance and faith and the Biden-Harris vision post-election for faith engagement. You know, we have listeners who are devout practitioners of Islam, Judaism, Christianity, all kinds of faiths, and then people who are agnostic and atheist and who would say there is no role for faith in connection with government. And I know that you have emphasized values several times. I would love to know what you think the Biden-Harris aspiration is for a working relationship between their administration and the faith community broadly defined? Yeah, thanks, Beth. I think that you hit the nail on the head uh, when you talked about the idea of um, just common good values and the idea of, you know, a lot of people share the same values and comment those values from different perspectives, from different traditions, from different backgrounds. And, you know, I think that's the thing that really makes this ticket special um, is just being so grounded and rooted in those common good values that resonate with so many people in a very authentic way, too. And I think that, you know, this uh, the, the Biden-Harris vision for America is really saying, hey, you know, we can redeem the soul of the nation together. And together means everyone. And, you know, it's, it's a robust, diverse, inclusive coalition that we're working to build. I work with you know, all sorts of different faith communities. Um, I engage with uh, folks from all different backgrounds on a very regular basis. I have advisory groups um, of people from multiple faiths and people of no faith, um, you know, who just keep us 
in the loop on issues that are important to their communities, um, on you know, things that they think we need to know about on ways that we can collaborate and partner together uh, and on ways that, you know, we can find common ground uh, and, and get things done. And I think in a Biden-Harris administration, that's what you're going to see is a commitment to getting things done and to doing it with as many people as possible who share those same values of the common good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What do you say to someone who's really struggling, not with just issues of faith, but real identity? I mean, I think for better or for worse, we have to acknowledge that there has been a linking. There has been this narrative that you can only be a person of faith and be a Republican, specifically in the Christian community. You can only be a Christian and a Republican. And I think when you've been taught that and when it it seeps into your narrative. Trying to untangle that is really, really hard. And so what would you say to someone who's changed their party registration or thinking about voting Democrat for the first time and supporting the Biden-Harris campaign? Like, how do they walk that path if they're struggling with that really deep level of identification? That's a great question. You know, it's a question that I had to ask myself a lot. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was raised in a very conservative conservative environment and was raised in an environment that, you know, led me to think that um, being Republican was more aligned uh, to, to my faith, largely just out of socialization. And I think it's really, really important for everyone to say, what are the values that are deeply important to me and to my community um, and that I think are, are actually in alignment with um, kind of the core tenets of my faith. I think for me, those values are, you know, the idea of Imago Dei, that we're all created in the image of God. Um, I think those values are, uh, you know, loving our neighbor as ourselves um, in alignment with the greatest commandment. I think those values are, you know, thinking about how can we work to uproot those systems of injustice um, those walls of oppression that um, that have been put up and that are holding way too many people back uh, from reaching their full God-given potential. And, uh, you know, I think when I look at the different choices that we're presented with this election, uh, I think it's really, really clear which side aligns with those values a lot more, um, both in their personal lives and in the agenda they're putting forward. Um, you know, I see a ticket that is really committed to racial equity. I see a ticket that is committed to addressing systemic racism at the root um, and ensuring that you know we're doing everything possible to uh, ensure that everyone um, who come, regardless of their racial background, their socioeconomic status, their geography, you know, has opportunity, has opportunity to to work hard um, and uh, reach their full potential in our country. Everyone has 
equal and equitable access to healthcare. Uh, everyone has um, access to a great education. Uh, uh, folks um, who are, you know, coming from different countries uh, seeking asylum uh, have the chance to find refuge here. Um, and, you know, you have that on one side and then on the other side, you have an administration that puts kids in cages, um, that separates children from their families, that seeks to put up walls rather than tear them down, um, that politicizes public health, you know, contributing in some major ways to the crisis that we find ourselves in right now to all the folks who have lost their lives, uh, to the folks who've lost loved ones. Um, and even in some of the reporting that we saw today, um, you know, downplayed the pandemic purposefully um, for political reasons. And, you know, so across the board, I think that you just have such a stark contrast in the values uh, that are important to us as people of faith. For me as a Christian, the, the values that um, I'm called towards. Uh, and I think, you know, what I would say to other folks is that that really should be how we are evaluating um, who we're supporting in elections uh, is really asking this question of like, who is going to live out the values that we're called to um, as people of faith uh, the most in the policies they pursue uh, in the society and culture that they help shape um, and in the way that they lead. And, and I think, you know, for me, uh, we couldn't have a, a clearer choice um, of who's aligned with those values in this election. Okay, Josh, I'm going to do the dangerous thing of trying to represent a perspective that I do not hold. So we have a significant group of listeners who I respect very much who prioritize abortion in their voting. Maybe it's not the only priority they have, but it is a high priority. And they are sincerely convicted that any legal abortion in the United States is is morally abhorrent and that it's important for them to vote their values on that issue. What kind of conversation would you have with those listeners and voters? Yeah, um, you know, this is definitely not an issue that the vice president takes lightly. Uh, we know that it's a complicated one and folks come at it from a lot of different places and have a lot of views on it. The vice president is someone who uh, deeply respects life uh, and, you know, throughout all of his policies, um, throughout his career has been someone, you know, who's fought to expand healthcare access and equity. He, you know, obviously is someone who fought for the Violence Against Women Act. He's someone who fought for the passage of the Affordable Care Act. He's someone who has fought to um, expand um, maternal health resources, uh, to expand access to adoption, um, to fight human trafficking, uh, to... Um, you know, do so many different things that help, uh, uh, that, that contribute to human flourishing um, in major ways. And is he pro-choice? Yes. Um, he believes in upholding the law of the land uh, as stipulated in Roe and in Casey. Um, at the same time, you know, he's someone who is deeply committed to common good values across the board. Uh, he has uh, an approach um, to uh, pursuing those values that I think is comprehensive um, and that really showcases you know, a, a well thought out way um, in our uh, in, in, in our pluralistic society um, to uh, ensure that everyone has a chance um, to reach their fullest potential. And, you know, he's someone who is going to continue to pursue that and is going to continue to fight for issues 
that are related um, to folks having a chance to reach their fullest potential, like racial equity, um, like immigration, like education, uh, like minimum wage and things along those lines. So, you know, I think across the board, um, many voters are uh, going to come at this election from different places. Some folks are going to uh, zone in on one issue or another, but on the whole, we think that most issue, most voters are, are multi-issue voters, and most voters are going to look at this uh, election as kind of a referendum on on values and on who we want to be as a country. Um, and I think you know that's really the the major question here. Um, you know, as we battle for the soul of our nation, uh, we have two very different visions on the table, um, and I think that voters have to ask themselves, hey, you know. Um, uh, whose America do I want to live in? Uh, and, and who do I think is really going to pursue the common good and work to bend the moral arc of the universe more towards justice as opposed to away from it? And, you know, and, and I think that um, the Biden-Harris ticket uh, is clearly fighting for those values much more so than what we see um, from the current administration. I think what's hard is you can feel that in your heart. You can feel that in your soul. And you can still be in conversation with people who feel very differently than that. And so, you know, what advice do you give to people as they go out and they feel convicted to share or ask directly who they're voting for and then get in these tough conversations where they're called names or their faith is attacked because they've chosen to vote and and specifically for a pro-choice candidate? Yeah, thanks for that question, Sarah. And I get it. Um, uh, I can empathize with that perspective a lot. Um, given what I've shared uh, about my own background and the community that I grew up in. And, you know, I think that the most important thing is to first start by listening to people um, and to hear people Mm -hmm. out and to hear where they're coming from and why they hold certain views and um, give them a chance to sort of share that. Uh, And then I think, you know, a lot of it is around just authentically sharing your own story um, about where you're coming from and uh, not necessarily seeking to convince people all the time, but just again, to get to understand people, you know, I think seeking understanding um, and doing so with grace and empathy is, is really the most important thing uh, because usually people's minds aren't changed by, you know, a back and forth on social media. Um, it's more so getting to know people, hearing where they're from, uh, developing deeper senses of empathy, um, and, you know, feeling like you're being heard too. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I would have. And, and that's the, that's how we orient towards this in my work. That's how our state teams orient towards this. Um, that's how our organizers orient towards this is really starting with a posture of listening, a posture of grace, a posture of seeking to understand, um, and, you know, just trying to find common ground where that's possible. Uh, and, you know, really, really seeking to, um, try to find uh, just ways to uh, get to know people, um, develop relationships, uh, and really have that be sort of the, the foundation um, for uh, the, you know, diving into some of these tricky conversations. So I want to shift gears for a second and ask a question that came from our listener, Caitlin. Caitlin says, after the events of the last few days and weeks and months and years, I'm beginning to question mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I thought I knew about myself and things I thought I knew about those around me. I have been especially disappointed with those in my life who are Christians, but only want to speak out when it's convenient for them or when they find the perfect Bible verse or quote that meets their narrative. I have many people in my life who share this sentiment of the racial tension and happenings of the world occur because there's a sin and heart problem and nothing else. While I agree fundamentally that things need to change within the four walls of home, and within individual hearts. I don't think the conversation ends there. I saw a quote going around this weekend that said something along the lines of, when you see the war on racism as a battle of the left versus right, instead of 
the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, then you've made an idol out of your politics. As a religious person, I struggle reading things like this because while I think that we should be praying for the hearts of people to change, I also know that prayers don't change racist policies and that it takes more than a prayer to make a difference. I'm wondering where you all land on this and ask how you would suggest having grace-filled conversations with Christians who feel that the only answer is to pray and wipe their hands clean of everything once they've done that. I feel that the right and left-wing divide within the Christian community is getting stronger every day and don't quite know where I fit in anymore. So Josh, would love to hear your reaction to Caitlin's message. Well, I appreciate that question, Caitlin. And, you know, I think that it's a complicated one and I totally understand, you know, where, where you're coming from on that. And it's something that I think a lot of folks are experiencing right now um, and ask themselves, how can I make a difference? How can I uh, be a part of changing hearts and minds in my community, um, in my family, and, and what can I do um, to play a role in uh, fighting some of these things at the systemic level as well? And, you know, I think when I, like from a personal standpoint, when I orient towards this, uh, I always go back to uh, Luke chapter four um, in the Bible when Jesus talks about uh, his calling, when he, uh, you know, essentially announces his, uh, his ministry um, after uh, his time in the wilderness, you know, and uh, he, you know, he goes into the synagogue and he unrolls a scroll and he says, um, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I think that that calling and the things that he highlights in there um, just really stand out to me uh, as uh, a blueprint for us in, in terms of you know, what we're called to pursue as people of faith, you know, for me as a Christian. And I think, um, you know, number one is in my personal relationships, and I think for everyone in our personal relationships, uh, you know, is just like looking to seek to understand people, looking to, you know, um, operate uh, in a way where we embody grace uh, and where we bring our authentic selves um, and don't shy away from sharing, uh, you know, what our views are and, and, and why we hold them, but also doing so in a way that uh, is focused on seeking to understand um, and uh, is uh, embedded with empathy. But I think we're also called um, to really live into this idea of um, fighting for, uh, for um, racial justice, fighting for multiple fronts, um, uh, in a way that is really centered in the idea of um, pursuing reconciliation, pursuing uh, re a, a redemptive approach uh, to, to society, um, pursuing these ideals and these values um, that uphold the inherent human dignity of everyone uh, and that ensure people do have the chance um, to reach their God-given potential. And I think the way that we live into that, the way that we um, are getting involved in our communities uh, to let people know that we are voting, um, uh, telling people how to register to vote, um, getting more people involved in that way is really, really important because elections do have major consequences. I think also the ways in which we get involved in community efforts um, to fight systemic racism and to fight for equality and opportunity at the local level makes a really big difference. And I think people see that when we live into that. Um, I think the ways in which we um, uh, just are, uh, are there, like show up, for the people around us makes a huge difference. Um, and so I think that on the whole, um, the way that we live our lives uh, and, and the way that we sh showcase those commitments uh, is really how um, we recruit more people uh, to 
join us in that um, and to join us in pursuing those things that I think are such a core part uh, of our calling as Christians. Uh, and I think that that really is the most powerful way um, for us uh, to be um, to be folks who very much embody those core ideals uh, that Jesus talks about um, uh, in his calling in Luke chapter four and uh, the ways that we really pursue a redemptive and transformative uh, vision for the future. I love the phrase embedded with empathy. I love that. I'm going to I'm gonna steal that, Josh. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping us talk through this and, and walk that tension between, you know, fighting for what we know is right and being, like you said, embedded with empathy with those around us who might not feel the same. I think that's, you articulated that really well. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks for having me all. And uh, thanks everyone for listening in and, uh, you know, just look forward to getting a chance to work with people and connect with people through the different things that we're doing. So definitely check us out, um, uh, joebiden.com backslash faith. And, uh, we'll, uh, Look forward to the next time. And then the other thing we wanted to share is a message from Amy. Because Amy's on the other side of this journey. She wrote us and said that when her and her husband first got married, she left her denomination for his, and they were really different, and it was a huge change. And in the past year, he's become agnostic, and she's found herself in grief and struggling with this part in their relationship and just in their faith journey overall. She says, I found that people I know who are Christians, especially our particular denomination, have not handled the pandemic and systemic racism in ways that I can agree with. Between my husband leaving the faith, the examples of others not being able to attend church, it has made me say, does it even matter, especially going to church? I think I believe in God still, but I'm struggling with what that will look like after the pandemic. I've enjoyed not going to church every Sunday and found such peace in staying home. I don't know that I feel like I belong in this denomination anymore, but at the same time, I don't know that I want to try another one either. She said, I would like to commemorate some big changes I've made. I have always wanted to dye my hair blue and get my nose pierced, but never did it as a did not align with my conservative Christian values in my church, and I was afraid of being judged. In February, prior to COVID, I finally did it for my 36th birthday, and I absolutely love both and have maintained the dark blue hair. Along with that, my political beliefs have been very rooted in those religious influences while feeling like they were wrong. For example, my religious influence said that homosexuality was a sin, but in my heart, I felt that that didn't align with what I believed of God. The one thing COVID allowed me to do is to let those influences go a bit and align my politics where my heart says I should be. To top it off in April, I began steps to lose all the weight I gained in five pregnancies in 10 years. First of all, what up to five pregnancies in 10 years, Amy? Way to go. She said, I'm down seven pounds so far. I feel like my confidence has grown in leaps and bounds by allowing myself to be authentic. I am definitely still in a season of self-discovery and there are challenges through it, but I'm so proud of myself for taking the time and effort to finally take care of what I need and do what is right for me and my family. Here, here, Amy. God, I love that. I love to think of Amy and her blue hair and nose ring out there, like stepping authentically into her own values. I know that so many of you, just like we talked about with Caitlin and with Josh, struggle with this break. This identity level change is incredibly difficult. And people like Amy and all of you out there that are doing it, that are standing up and say, I know I've always been this way, but I don't think it's right. And I'm going to be something different. That is really courageous. And that is really powerful. And it won't be static either. I think there are so many like journeys around the bend with faith and what nourishes you at different moments in your life. I felt the kind of freedom from church during the long hiatus from it that I took. 
And then I reached a point where I've really valued the ritual of church. And I could see myself going in and out of that at different stages for the rest of my life. Mm. I've, I approach it differently now than I did when I was growing up. But there are aspects of taking communion that just mean more to me than they did before I took an extended vacation from going to church every Sunday. I also feel like there's something precious and sacred about a lot of not knowing. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel closer to whatever God is to express that I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot because since I shared on Pansy Politics that my mom has been hospitalized with COVID-19, I've gotten so many messages that are like, I don't really pray anymore, or I'm not sure what prayer means, but here are all my good thoughts. And those messages mean a lot to me because I'm not sure either. I mean, here's what I think. I don't think it's like God is sitting around like, oh, I could intervene and make the situation better, but let's see if enough people ask. That's not what I think is happening at all. Agreed. I do think there is an energy to lots of hearts sending good love to someone that matters. I don't know that it matters to the ultimate outcome for that person, but I sure think it matters to the experience they have while they're going through something hard. Mm-hmm. And maybe it matters to the outcome in ways that I don't understand, but I don't know. And I think there's something really sacred about that not knowing. I think it makes it almost more precious. Like, I don't want to be part of a faith that sends me out hunting for signatures, essentially, on good things happening in life. Mm-hmm. It's all, to me, much fuzzier than that. But I like being in that fuzzy place. I consider myself both like extremely ecumenical and Unitarian. And that helps me see more beauty than I saw when I thought that I had the right answers to everything. So we are with you. We love all of you out there struggling to ask the right questions instead of believing that you have all the right answers. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. We will be back in your ears on Friday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. The Nuanced Life is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Learn more about our work by visiting pantsuitpoliticsshow.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter and following Pantsuit Politics on Instagram.